and welcome to the pep talk. This is Sam and Jason joining you, your two favorite bald frauds, here to talk about everything Manchester City, or as we are now known as the three-time reigning Premier League champions. I'm sure you're feeling good, Jason. Ah, always, man. What's not to like it? (laughs) What's not to like about this season at the moment? Just done a three. Just done a three-peat. So three-peat. I think only five teams have done it in the history of the Premier League. Not the Premier League, I should say, the history of English football. Um, no one's done four in a row. So <laughs> that's the target for next season. Go four in a row. <laughs> I want more. I want more. <laughs> hey, who knows? It's very possible. It's possible. But yeah. Let's Well, let's just get right into it then. How's it feel to be three-time champion? Like, is it... Did you think it was like anticlimactic for Arsenal to lose in that sweet? Like, it was kind of inevitable that we were going to get it anyways. We only needed two points from the last nine. But is it like anticlimactic to get? I saw, you know, people online are saying, like, oh, I would rather just win it at the Etihad. Is that how you felt? Or what nah, did you think? No, nah, I'm the type that get it done. When it comes to the league, you just want it to be done, right? The sooner the better. We've had enough um, <laughs> heart, heart-wrenching moments in, in the Premier League in the last five years, you know, with winning winning the league twice in the last day in the last four years. So I'm happy for us to win it with three games to go. I'm happy for us to win it um, by someone else losing, um, and this time it's being Arsenal. I kind of expected Forrest to maybe get something, um, but I, I, I thought if they got something, it would be a draw. I didn't expect a win. Which means it made us, <laughs> nope. it made us it made us title winners straight away. I did not expect that. So I, I was like, if we go into the Chelsea game needing a draw, it kind of takes the pressure off. You can kind of relax, you know, enjoy the day, um, type of thing. But for them to actually lose one nil to Forest is indicative of how bad Arsenal have been in this stretch. So they've dropped fifteen points in the last eight games. So that's. 15 points out of 24 they've, they've dropped. Yeah they've, yeah, they've gotten nine points out of their last 24. Yeah, it's really, it's basically rele- it's basically relegation form, right? So for they've them- They bottled the league. I will oh, say I, I'm fully on admitting now. I'm like, okay. Are, like At first, I was like, well, they're, maybe they're regressing to their mean, but then they just lost the last two games. No, nah, so there's no regress. City didn't even <laughs> have to give a shit by the final week. Like we had three games left and they were like, ah, it's over. Uh, that's, I, yeah, that's bottling. Yeah, I never thought we'd win the league against Chelsea. I never thought we'd win the league. I always looked at the at the table and I said, okay, we're going to have three games left in the in the week. We're going to need to probably win at Brentford or Brighton away to clinch the title. That's how, that was my that was always my attitude. Even prior to them, like even when they were up eight eight points, and I was like, okay, we need like we have to go on a really big run to win the league, you know. And the mentality was, we need to win every game to win the league. So for us to go into the last week not needing any wins is absolutely mental. We are seven points clear with a game in hand. We can potentially finish 13 points above Arsenal. H- how? Do you know what I mean? Like That's, that is – it doesn't make sense. It's, it's I, I think it's 11 points, but – but still, to no, finish... No, it's it, it would be 13 if it would be Arsenal 13, right? lost their last game and we won our last two, then it would be 13. Okay, that's how it's 13, yeah. So it potentially could be 13 points, right? So for us to finish with that much of a lead 
is a complete capitulation by Arsenal. It is massive. Like I did not expect this at any point during this title running. I thought I thought they'll take us the last week at the least, maybe potentially to the last day. And I thought we had to win out because their form prior to this run was they were picking up like two and a half points per game almost, right? So that's that was their form. They picked up 50-something points in the first half of the season. It was 51 points. I think, and I remember reading, I remember looking at something and I'm like, and it said, no team has lost a title after picking up 50 points at the halfway point. You know, it is a complete capitulation of their form, of their mentality, everything. Maybe they weren't ready and maybe it's a bit harsh and they're a young team, but to not even take us to the last game, that's where I, if I was an Arsenal fan, that's where I'd be disappointed. They should Not even the last there. week. Not yeah, even the last week. Yeah, yeah, not even the last week. They made it, like, they literally made it easy for us. They made it easy for us. I literally thought we were going to have a tough, tough last week. Our players are going to go into the FA Cup final and the Champions League absolutely exhausted because they're playing, you know, every three days up leading up to this point. We rotated nine players against Chelsea. Nine players. We did not even need... We put. We started Calvin fucking Phillips against Chelsea. <laughs> like that, that tells you exactly how much, like how badly Arsenal did in terms of what they did. Like that, this period was just crazy, absolutely crazy. So did you, did you watch the Arsenal match? I did. I did. Unfortunately, I was awake at two o'clock in the morning at the time. I didn't plan to be awake <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning, um, but I do have two young kids that sometimes like to wake me up. Um, so I was awake basically from two o'clock in the morning that day until um, God knows what time. Um, yeah, that's why I was messaging you guys at <laughs> unfathomable times. But yeah, look, I was, was wondering, nice. I was like, why is he up? <laughs> You're probably thinking this guy doesn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you have kids. <laughs> um, but yeah, so look, I was awake anyway, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm just sitting here in it, trying to get my kids back to sleep. I'll put, the fo- I'll put the game on my phone, and I'm watching the game, and, and I was watching, as I was watching the game, I'm like, these guys are never going to score. I've never felt like that watching Arsenal. Usually, when I watch them, I'm like, mm, they'll probably score soon. You know, they've got that they've got that mentality where, like, early on the season. Yeah, know, it looks like it's it, inevitable. It, it was like inev- inevitable. Yeah, like kind of like with with Liverpool when you used to watch them, you like they're gonna score eventually. It's just how they are. It's just, they're just a top quality team. You know what I mean? They might suffer for a little bit of moments, but they'll get there. They'll get the job done. I was watching that game, and I'm like, these guys are never scoring. That was my attitude. I was like, these guys are never scoring. They could play another ninety minutes, and they were never scoring against Nottingham. They did not look. They did not look good. That's, the lineup was really weird. Like I don't know if you saw the lineup, but it was. I did. I did. I think Jaka um, was playing left back. No, no, they had Kiwior, the the new Polish left footed center back, playing he, left he, back. And he then, went three at the back, right? He went three at the back. Kind of. So yeah, his back a, four, his back four was uh, Kiwior at left back, then Gabriel. Then Ben White at center back, which he hasn't played center back in like two years. And then at right back, Thomas Party. And then Jorginho as the six. And then Jaka Odegaard. um, And then whoever. Yeah. And then Jaka went a bit into midfield when they had possession. They kind of did. They kind of, he kind of tried to do what we do. Um, It was just really weird because Party looked completely (laughs) lost at right back. He he doesn't have John Stones. <laughs> no, nobody does. But it was just 
it was so odd and i was thinking like what the heck is this like so i honestly think he's in a way he's kind of like running out of ideas yeah i agree and he doesn't really have the quality of depth so he's just kind of throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks is essentially Uh, what it and and at this point like he knows that he knew the race was over and he knows they're solidly in second place so might as well give it a shot yeah, the the play the players looked like they looked shot, right? And this is what we we're talking about last week um, when it comes to like a mentality thing, a men- mentally exhaust exhaustion, right? So the players were shot. They they it wasn't physically legs gone; it was just mentally legs were gone type of thing. Where it's like, you know, when you when you're in a title race and you're pushing and pushing and pushing, <clears throat> you go that extra mile. But when you know it's over, you're not going to go that extra mile. You're not going to push. You're not going to you're not gonna try, and especially kinda, when you're like a mile ahead of third place, anyways. It's not yeah. like it matters. And we, and we kind of seen that against Chelsea in the game, which we'll talk about a little bit. I don't I don't think we need to talk too much about Chelsea, but you've seen it against Chelsea, right? Chelsea's players just look like they want the season to finish. They're done. <laughs> they're they're already on the beach. Like they're on. They're literally they're on the already beach. on the beach. If there, if there was a, are on the beach. <laughs> if there was a beach in Manchester, they'd be on it when when they came to the Etihad because that literally looked like players on the beach. They did not give a flying <laughs> fuck what happened in that game. It, honestly, All right, let's truth, di- let's dive into that game a little bit. Like let's just let's just knock it out. It's yeah, the, we're okay, not going to really talk about it. <laughs> we're not really going to talk about it very much, anyways. So we're not going to go through the game like we all saw it. Um, you know, obviously, uh, it was nice that be, be, basically sorry, everybody you, got a rest. What before you go? Before you talk about Chelsea, just one more one more thing about Arsenal, right? Just one more thing. So Southampton have picked up one point from their last twenty seven. Do you know where they picked up that one point? <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> it was against them at the Emirates <laughs> when they probably should have won. By the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, I remember reading Southampton's fans' reactions, and they was like. They're actually angry that they got the point because they're like, it fucks both of us. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't do anything. They, need, they needed the win to stay, like, to stay up because that would have given them a bit of a momentum. And the draw just put a downer on everything. So they picked up one point from twenty-seven, and it was against Arsenal at the Emirates. That's where they've lost the league, in my opinion. But anyways, go back to Chelsea. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that comment. In. <laughs> I love it. Love it. So. I mean, the the lineup obviously wasn't really much of a surprise, given that the league was done. Uh, I oh, think it was a, probably it was a little pr- bit of a surprise. It was a little bit of a surprise. I don't think so. These guys are like exhausted. <laughs> you could yeah, tell. No. Like, and now that uh, that the league was officially done, like, I think we would have played a pretty strong lineup, if not our strongest, if we needed to win or at least get any points from the game. And I actually kind of would have liked to see that because <laughs> let's here we go. Chelsea is so fucking terrible <laughs> that like I would have actually really liked to see us coming off the back of a four no win at Madrid. We would have beaten them fifteen to nil. Like that team <laughs> stinks, and it's oh, insane dude. that we with this team with and I actually tweeted during the game like. It's crazy that Chelsea is so bad that Calvin Phillips actually looks kind of good. Like that's that's the thing that I was gonna they say. Stink, I, man. That that was the thing I was gonna say. I was, I was gonna say like I I don't want to judge how well Calvin Phillips played, 
because they did not pressure him at all in the game. He did not feel pressure from a Chelsea player. Usually, when we play Calvin Phillips and a team's trying to come back to the game, like you look at the Leicester game, for example, they'd pressure him instantly. And as soon as he feels that pressure, he used to, he used to buckle under the pressure. And Chelsea did not put a foot in. They did not give a flying fuck about this game. They do not give a flying fuck about this season. They're just done. They are done. And they're so bad. And this is a very good example of a team where spending money does not equal success. You need the management. You need the structure. You need the money, yes. You need the right wages. You need the right transfer fees, correct? But building is from top to bottom. And Chelsea are a perfect example of a team not built from top to bottom with a with a, with a vision, right? There's no vision there. There is nothing. Fofana costs And you need 80- to buy the right players too. Correct. Like, F- just because you cost buy expensive million. players doesn't mean nothing. Correct, right? I've never seen a bag of money score a goal, right? So... You look at Fafana, right? He cost eighty million pounds, and he couldn't string a pass together. Kulabali was one of the best defenders in Napoli last season. He couldn't put a pass together either. They, they weren't under pressure when they were missing these passes. It's basic schoolboy stuff, and they were missing those passes. They are terrible. Their form is worse than Arsenal's. They've picked up four points in their last twenty-four, right? So they're they're literally if they honestly if they if they started going to this form, you know probably five games earlier, they'd be in a relegation battle. That's how bad they've been. That's how bad Thomas, they are. Thomas Tuchel saved them from a relegation battle. Almost, yeah. Like, I mean, they, and they had a bit of a manager think, bounce. They did have a manager bounce when Potter first started. They actually picked up a few points then, right? So that's when they picked up most of their points. But since then, they've done fuck all. And Frank Lampard, sorry to say, can never be a manager in the Premier League again. He's terrible. He's not good, but also like... He was kind of given an impossible task. Like, those guys' heads were already gone before. He's not going to be the guy that's going to go in there and change a culture, and that's what they <laughs> needed. So he was kind of doomed from the beginning, yeah, you know? Like, the, the best and even I Frank <laughs> Lampard was saying, he was like, these guys are just, like, jogging around like they don't care. He said something yeah. like that. And he's like, well, no. yeah, you're never going to win anything like that. So the, the best made my scene was Frank Lampard was hired by Todd Bowley because he thought you can get a high draft pick by finishing low in the league team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. American Take sports it. for you. Yeah, American sports for you, exactly. <laughs> maybe maybe he doesn't understand the relegation side of them, you know, of, 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 of actual football. <laughs> it's uh, like, yeah, it like, was look- crazy. Like, the, how little effort they had, how disorganized they were. And yeah, really, crazy, the man. only player that looked even remotely decent for them was Sterling. And Sterling just was like typical Sterling, where he did yeah. really good things, and the second he got into the box, he froze and couldn't do anything. Like That's, yeah. that's, that's the that's, Sterling we know. That's the thing. I think one of the things like Chelsea that suffer the most from this season is their finishing ability. They don't have any natural finishes in their team. So when they get in the box, they literally run out of ideas. Um, and you've seen it against us, right? Like Sterling had, I think, two one-on-ones. And then you had, um, was it Gallagher that had that header that went off the post? They're just not clinical finishes. So they create chances. You know, they played against our B team, right? Literally our B team. We played nine out of 11 players. Um, we Sorry, we took out nine players from the Madrid game, um, including the keeper. Um, and we, we honestly played them off the park. That's, that was the crazy thing. And that's, and that's the, and this is exactly what I mean by... The, by Having a vision from top to bottom, we, we're taking players in and out of our system, and it looks exactly the same. 
right? Obviously, well, that, that's obviously, the other obviously thing. The obviously, the quality goes down a little bit. You know, you've got Rico Lewis, who's very, very young. You've got Sergio Gomez in there. You've got Phillips in there, right? Who all they haven't played that much this season, but you see it there. The system's there. The, the vision's still there. The ideology of how we want to play is all there, right? So for us to go, we, you look, you watch the first twenty minutes of the game. Chelsea didn't have an answer for us. We were all over them. We were all over them, and and it's just, and that's Chelsea, right? That's Chelsea this season. They can't score. They can't do anything. They gave us a guard of honor before the game. That should have given you a little bit of, you know, have a bit of pride in yourself. You just you're playing the champions, right? So go out and do something. And they didn't do nothing. There's no pride there. They they're literally on the beach waiting for Pochettino to come in, um, but he's got a massive job in the summer. He's got a clean house massively. They've got so much work to do on that team. It is unbelievable. They're carrying 10 extra players, so they need to actually go in there. They need to sell. It's going to be a fire sale. Whatever they That's need what to do. Gonna just, it's going to be a fire a, sale. They just need a clean house. They're not playing Europe next season. They're not doing anything. They all got to do. All they got to do is literally focus on the league, maybe on a couple of cups in the FA and the League Cup. But basically, Pochettino's got one job. Get, us, get, yourself, get your team back into the Champions League. And that's all they've got to do next season, right? And I, I, I think they'll be a bit. I think they'll be a lot better under Pochettino. And I think once they clean house, where you have a a, a squad of twenty to twenty five players that you know that you, these are your core players, it makes a lot more sense, right? It, it, your team, your cohesion goes up, right? And you see it with City. We've got a small squad, but the cohesion's better than having a massive squad where you have potentially three, four, five players sitting on the bench, being really, really pissed off about not being able to play. All those things come into, into play, right? So, like I said, it's it's the the vision from Chelsea was really really bad. They had a <laughs> shocking shocking transfer business. Six hundred million pounds in one season is absolutely crazy. Absolutely. Here's the craziest the craziest thing from Chelsea is what has been their problem for years? Like for what two three years? What was the problem? They didn't striker. have a goal-scoring striker, right? Yeah. And they go and spend six hundred million pounds, and not one of them is on a fucking striker. Yeah, like, yeah, look, does I- that make any sense to you? Like, every <laughs> single guy is like this creative number ten. Way, how many number tens do you need? And then guess who's coming next year? Christopher Nkunku, who is again a creative number ten slash winger slash second striker, whatever you want to call him. To be fair, Nkunku is a good finisher. So I'll give him that. He is a much yeah, better but he's finisher. not. He's not a striker. You know what I no, mean? He's like not. he's. But he's to, not. To, to be fair to them, they did spend. They, they did spend a hundred million pounds on a striker, but they've loaned him out to Inter Milan, who we're going to play in the Champions League final. Um, in the yeah, and who doesn't even start there? Thirty-seven-year-old Jeko starts over him. <laughs> so he, okay, Lukaku is a bit of a super sub at the moment. But yeah, look, look, uh-huh. that's 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 Chelsea, man. They 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 did try Sai Harland the year before. Um, but Dortmund didn't want to sell in that season, so maybe they. I think they offered something crazy as well. They offered like 150 million, but Dortmund said, "No, nah, we're not interested. We would rather keep him for a season." Yeah. Well, all right. Let's um, let's go through a couple of the players pretty quickly. Just to you know, if that's the nice part about this game is that you got to see some guys that you don't normally see, or you see guys in different positions. Uh, Cole Palmer. He looked pretty good, didn't he? He did, but he was against the uh, 39-year-old Aspicola. <laughs> so, look, but he did look good. He did, look, and I, 
Palmer's always been, and this is something something that we, I think will come onto Foden in a bit. You, we need to have these players playing in their best positions. And Cole Palmer's a left-footed winger. He he's more comfortable on that left side. The unfortunate part for Palmer was he was you mean always, on the right side. No, he usually plays better on the left. He plays better on the left side. Really? Yeah, he always plays better on the left side. Every time he's played on the left, he plays better than the right. I don't think he's a natural right winger. He's more of a he's more he's more of a center mid slash uh, left wing. He's kind of like that fo- the Foden where you, where Foden looks better on the left, but he can also play the right, and then he can also play center mid, and he can also play false nine. And I think what we need, I don't know if Palmer will stay next season. I think I think there's a potential he will get sold. Um, but he, he look he showed some quality. There was obviously some times where he made some poor decisions in the game, but that's normal, right? He's not. He hasn't played that much this season, so you know he might miss that that pass, that key pass, or you know. But he did he did end up doing the assist to Alvarez, with, who who done a fantastic finish. But he did play well. Um, but I just don't know if he will if he will be here next season. I think Pep didn't trust him this season at all. So what does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean. He's yeah. basically he's basically played a dead rubber game. I think that was his first start this season as well in the Premier League. And yeah. if you re- if you if if you remember ancient history in the beginning of the season, Mares was fucking horrible. Um, Grealish wasn't playing the best in the early season, and Foden was injured for a bit of this early season, and Palmer still couldn't get a start. So that I think he got one start in the Champions League, and he didn't impress. So it was one of those scenarios where. As a young player, you kind of have to take your chance and grab it by the scruff of the neck and just run with it. And it never happened for him. Um, so maybe he does need a loan move or he needs to be sold with a buyback clause or something like that just to give him more game time. I think he's a confidence player. If he, the more he plays, the more the better he'll be. Um, but he's got he's he's silky man. Like he's he's like deceptively agile. Um, he's not the quickest player, but he's deceptively agile on that wing with those like half turns that he does. Um, <laughs> he, he looks like he's going one way and then suddenly he's turned the other way he does it really really well um, but again it, it's hard to know how well these players are and you know, it's hard to judge off this one game considering how shit Chelsea are even though they've got quality players and, and talent there they're just a mess absolute mess you, you look at look at us sometimes when we're breaking and you look at the back line they're never even a straight line they're running all over the place the midfielders are not running back you know what I mean? So like, it's hard to judge. It's very, very hard to judge. But I think if he does stay next season, he needs a position. Same with Foden. I think Foden should be moved to midfield next season. He needs to play the eight role. And so, I think he, and I think he needs to be there permanently, right? We don't. We need to stop playing him in like six other positions. He need. He's too talented not to have a role anymore. And he's and he's getting to that age where it's like, okay, we we know he's a left winger that is good there, but he's also his natural position is a midfielder. So, all right, I'll, I'll start on Palmer and then I'll kind of go into Phil. So, I, I disagree. I don't think Palmer's best on the left. I think we kind of shoehorn him there because there's nowhere else. Like, where else is he going to play? With these with this lineup, right? Like, yeah, Mahrez is Mar- going to play. Because Mahrez is playing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Foden's going to play centrally. So, you have to play somebody on the left. If it's not Grealish and Foden's playing centrally, it's going to be Palmer. So... I think we just kind of have to play him there, but I think he's better on the right or centrally. Like that's where he played all in the youth academy, and he's like he's a creative guy, and so 
I think he and he doesn't have like loads of pace. He's not like Leroy Sané or anything. So you want him to have the ball on his left foot, his dominant foot, kind of cutting in. That's how I see Foden as well. Like Foden is great on the left wing, but that's not his best position. He's just really good everywhere. And Palmer, I I don't think I agree with you. I think he'll either get loaned or sold because he needs game time. He's like what 20, 21 now. And he's not, it yeah. doesn't look like he's getting it here. We would know if he, like, we would see it in the reports and stuff that he's going to be in. And like you said, like, Pep clearly doesn't trust him and he's not getting any game time. So when we've clearly had a depth issue. So that, like, the fact for those different things, yeah, I think he's, he's a good player. I hope he reaches his potential because I think he can be really good, but. This screams of a sell him for 15, 20 million and have a buyback clause. That's what it screams to me. Um, yeah. With, with Phil, see, I think Phil will probably get some more minutes centrally next year. I'm not sure. But like that De Bruyne role where you're super high and you're almost like a second striker, I think Phil can do that really well. And the problem is. Kevin De Bruyne is still Kevin De Bruyne. And Julian Alvarez is so good that Julian Alvarez plays there as like the quote-unquote backup. I think Pep is going to find more ways to play Phil centrally next year. But I don't think it'll ever be like, this is Phil's position. Because he is so good that you're going to keep moving him around. Like he's, he's really good on the right wing. He's good on the left wing, deputizing for Grealish. He's like he's good everywhere across that front line, and Pep likes flexibility, so he's gonna he's gonna take advantage of that. And Phil, I think, will be good anywhere. I think it'll increase his understanding of the game to play multiple positions. And I think he's he like you said though he's so talented like with the ball with his passing. He needs. I think he will eventually move into midfield permanently, but. My- my I, issue, I think Tony next year will be more of a transition for him into that. Yeah. My my issue with that, so then you're saying like he can play any position, right? But like it's the same thing with Kevin De Bruyne or Rodri or these players are so talented, but we we don't move their positions, if you know what I mean, because they're so good at what they do. And that's what You I want to talk I, to Bernardo Silva about that? <laughs> he plays eight he's played 18 <laughs> different positions this year and he hasn't played right wing since he was at Monaco but, it seems like but Bernardo hasn't been a surefire starter this season right so that's that's another thing to consider I feel like Phil is I just want to see Phil play one position for about 10 games straight you know what I mean where it's like play this one position nail it show me how well you can do it but <clears throat> for whatever reason we never we never get the chance to do it um, and, and, and maybe this comes down to what we do in the summer window because if we go buy a winger, then you can say I can move Phil Foden to midfield permanently. But if we go buy a midfielder who's going to deputize for De Bruyne and Gundogan, who I think is going to stay now, then then Phil's not going to get as many opportunities in midfield and then he's gone back to the wing. So it kind of a lot of it depends on what we do in the summer. And I feel like, and as I've been saying, this is such a pivotal summer in how we go about our business because... We've got holes in the, in the team, which is surprising. Like, for how great this team is, we have actually have a lot of holes all over the squad. 
Um, but we've just got players pivoting positions, like you said, and playing out of position in a, in a way. So for me, it's like I just want to see him play 10, 10 to 20 games in one position and see how well he does. Because when he does get a string of games together, he's basically unplayable, right? So you look at early on the season when he kind of had that right wing spot nailed um, or even the left wing spot nailed. He was scoring, assisting, scoring, assisting, scoring. Assi- like, he was literally on the score sheet almost every game. I think he almost had 10 goals by October, right? And I don't know what he's on now, but it hasn't increased by that much, obviously because he had a bit of injury issues, et cetera, and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the surgery. But I feel like we, he hasn't had the opportunity to grab a position and say, this position is mine, and I'm not letting it go. I have a feeling... So... But he in has terms played midfield a lot this season. He has played in terms of the squad makeup. I think he's going to be switching back and forth next year, anyways. Because the way I see yeah. it, it look okay. So it looks like it's, unf- it's unfair to him. It's unfair to him, though. I don't think so because he like he's really good. So you want to get him on the field along with your other best players, right? This is Pep finding a solution to keep all your best guys on the field because if you play him in midfield. You're gonna to have to drop either Gundogan or De Bruyne, right? And they so, can't play wing. exactly. So, like, it's Pep's way of finding finding ways to get all of his best players on the field. And so, I don't really have a problem with that. It's just that that's a problem that Pep is going to have to solve. And so, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to nail down right wing next year, personally. Or yeah, at least a good chunk of it, because because Bernardo looks to be leaving. Uh, yeah, it, at Bernardo's least that's kind of what it it's kind of what it seems like. Because it looks like PSG really want him. The sporting director there was the sporting director that bought him from Benfica over to Monaco. They love him. PSG loves him. I don't think so, and they'll pay the money and it just it looks like it's going to happen. And I think City will not be as hesitant to sell because it looks like Gundogan's thing. So the latest of what we know right now is it seems more and more likely that Gundogan is going to stay. Yeah, Martin Martin Blackburn has basically said we've offered a two-year contract that is more in line with what Gundogan wants. Yeah. Martin Blackburn usually gets gets basically direct feed from someone high up at City. So he's pretty pretty well-connected. So. When he says something like that, you just go, okay, I think he's staying. So yeah. I'm pretty confident that Gundogan's staying. And I think one thing in his article, I don't know if you read it or not, but Martin Blackburn said, and I think this is very telling, Gundogan would have come on as a sub against Chelsea just to get one send-off if that was his last game. That's true. Like Pep, That's very true. Pep, he said Pep would have subbed him on with a couple minutes left just so he could get a send-off. And so the fact that Pep didn't do that is telling that Gundogan is going to stay. And so there's that. But what I think is, okay, if Bernardo's leaving, Bernardo's played right wing in our biggest games this year. So if he's gone... Hold on, does that mean Bernardo's staying? Because Bernardo didn't get a send-off either. (laughs) I don't know, because I think it's just... it's. it's not His situation's a little more fluid. It's not like Laporte. We'll we'll get to that later. But it's, it's a little more fluid. But... Bernardo, he's played right wing for us in the biggest games this year, even though he's not really a right winger. Um, He's more central, but he can play anywhere. So that 
and he also plays central midfield. So if Bernardo's gone, that's a really flexible player that's gone. We're going to need to replace him with a midfielder. Uh, Martin Blackburn said in his article, Mateo Kovacic, which wouldn't surprise me. Like We've had a million links to him so far, or Gabri Vega. Let's say, for example, it's Kovacic. So the midfield, you have five guys um, that are playing in those three positions As if, if Calvin Phillips doesn't leave. Let's assume for now that he doesn't. So you have those guys, and then the wingers, you have Grealish, Foden, and Mares. And so Mares is getting a little older, and he always starts seasons slow. So I think Foden can really nail down that position. I also think City might buy another winger, maybe. Honestly, yeah, I have look, no idea. It's it, it, Look, see, it's kind of why I probably wanted to avoid the transport because I don't think we're going to hear anything concrete in terms of movement until after until the Champions League after final. the season, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 one of those weird things because we're in so many competitions right until the end, you don't really hear as much news. Usually usually by this time we're either out of the out of the cups. Usually look, we don't usually go make the final of the FA Cup. We haven't made it since 2019, right? So um and then the Champions League final we usually either out in the semis. Like we've only made one Champions League final before this. So you kind of hear the news of what's happening in the summer really really early you hear it like by this time of the year you know who we're after right but it hasn't been very clear and no one's you know we've had links but it's like it's like whispers it's not like it's not like strong links it's like even the bellingham links no one no one from a city top tier source came out and said we want him and we're confident of getting him it was more like we're interested but We'll see what happens. And it's like, okay, are we like, how deep are we into this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, usually at this time of the season, you kind of know who your targets are and you kind of have an idea of what type of targets you're getting. The only thing that's clear to me right now, which is, um, I think, Gunderhan staying because of what Martin Blackman just said. And I think Laporte's going, that's for sure. He was crying on the field. Um, and Yeah, I, I'm sure you all saw the video by now. Yeah, he, he was crying on the field and... That's usually indicative of a player that's, yeah, he, he, he's, it's been kind of clear for the last two, three months anyway, but that was just like a confirmation. You know, I, I feel like there's, there's an agreement in place somewhere that if you meet this buyer, if you meet this, if you meet this number, um, we'll let you go. And it sounds like by, by the sounds of it, and he, he kind of put a cryptic message a couple, a couple weeks back, three weeks back on, on his um Twitter saying, you know, it was, it was like a cryptic message that basically said, you know, the grass is greener somewhere else sometimes or whatever. Something like that. It was something very cryptic, but it basically just meant to me that he's that he wants to he's gonna leave and something has been agreed with another team. I think another team has given him the green light to say, Yeah, we'll match that clause. We'll we'll buy you and you know, come summer, come after the season, we'll sort it out. That's my guess, because I when and, I was in the game. He's a top. Oh, defender. he's. A, I love him. He's amazing. He's a top defender. It's, so whoever whoever gets him is gonna have a fantastic player. I don't think he'll yeah. get to a Premier League team. I don't think he'll be. I a I honestly team. I don't know. I know that when I was at the Leeds match because he played that game too, and that was the second to last home game of the season before Chelsea, and he stayed later than at, like once all the City fan or all the City players were off the field, he walked around and clapped the whole stadium, and so. To me, that looked like I now I also don't know because that was my first time at a game. Maybe he does that every week, but to me, that looked indicative of someone 
who thought that was his last game because at that point, we didn't know that Chelsea would be a dead rubber game and that he would get to play. So that's right. Yeah. He got to play Chelsea, but we, at the time, we thought we were going to have to play our, our best 11 against Chelsea. So, um, he, that's, that's what he did at the time. And I thought, okay, he probably knows he's going, it seems like he's going, uh, and that's yeah. really all we know right now. Um, I feel like we're going to get Gavardio. It just depends. That's what on, it seems like. It depends on what Leipzig's going to do. But if if we look, if, if we get Gavardio, well, that's a that's already a massive signing for us. I I feel like, and I feel like Pep really really likes his three at the back system, um, and putting Gavardio there, which is unfortunate for Aki because I think he's so good at the moment. But well, Gavardio is going to need to learn anyways. He's like twenty. Yeah, yeah. And look, having Gavardio, having young. a Having a backline of Gavardio, <laughs> you're gonna have Gavardio, Stones, Ake, Kanji. Kind of crazy. That's that is so. That is a title-winning defense for the next t- literally ten years. Like it's crazy. Like, so although, Gavardi- although, although, although Kanji's a bit older, but still, like it's just, it's it's a really good lineup. Gavardio seems at least the most likely right now because he fits the profile of like that left-sided center back slash left back hybrid role is literally the perfect role for him. Like what Nathan Ake yeah. does, he's basically a better version of Nathan Ake. Like his build his build up is crazy as well. He's such a he's, good pass of the ball. He's such a good passer of the ball. He's got crazy pace just like Ake. He's like uh in top defender like Ake. Like he's he's very very good. And especially in that role, like he's played left back before. So it's it's very similar. So, to me, that says that City probably will not buy a left back. They'll buy Gavardiol, and him and Ake will kind of play that role. Um, and also, another couple reasons, Leipzig needs like 100 to $150 million in transfer income for FFP reasons, which makes no sense to me at all because I feel like Leipzig don't ever buy anyone, and they sell everyone for a lot of money. So, I don't really know how they're in FFP trouble, but that, I guess that's another conversation. It's, they're selling um, cuckoos for a high fee as well. So yeah. And know, like, they, they've always sold. I, I haven't, they, I haven't looked into it much, but yeah, it doesn't make sense. They've Could always sold things. dudes for good feeds for good fees and they don't really buy anybody for a bunch of money. So I don't really know what happened there, but those are the reports out of Germany is that they need income for FFP reasons. And also like we've seen numbers floated out already around like 85 million pounds slash 100 million euros, which are about the same. Honestly, I think that's pretty close to what City's valuation would be anyways. Like, yeah, this is probably the best young, young center back center prospect back, yeah. we've had in quite some time. Yeah, and for City to get him for 85 million euro- or pounds. It's a bargain. It's a bargain. Like, that's... Honest, that's that's roughly what they would pay anyways. You know what I mean? They paid like yeah. almost 70 for Ruben Diaz. So I think that will get done. And I think the fact that City's like willing to let him go and his name has been in the news, I think that would be the first signing of the summer. Yeah. Um, let, let's let's swift away from um Yeah, let's get away from transfers. <laughs> Back into this season. Let's jump I've- back into the season we're having, this historical season. 
I feel I feel like we we went on a bit of a tangent with the with the squad based on the Chelsea match because it it kind of fits right. You, like you see the out of out of um you know out of form players or you know out of not really in Pep's mind, but you see him play and you say, okay, they're still pretty good. How's it gonna work? It's a good tangent to have. I just have one more question for you, and let's make it a very very quick one. Is Phillips is Phillips here next season or is he gone? I think he's. No. I think he'll stay. You think he'll stay? Okay. I I think so because it seems like he wants to fight, like which is admirable. I think that's something good. I think he's got the quality to stay. So I think unless City basically boot him out the door, I think he'll stay. So I I think Pep's gonna boot him out the door. I I don't think we'll go into next season with the risk of Rodri playing four thousand minutes again. Unless Joshua Kimmich is ready to come on down. <laughs> hey, look, and Kimmich that's another com- story. If Kimmich comes down, Phillips can stay because he won't get any minutes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but- Just whatever. Just whatever. Let him stay. He can, he can come for another ride to, to the Premier League title. <laughs> but no, look, I, I feel like I'm, I'm of the opinion that I don't see him staying unless he has to show – like he hasn't shown – he hasn't given Pep the ability to trust him at all this season – and and although a lot of people say oh second season plays a lot better, generally those second season plays still get a fair bit of minutes in that first season. Phillips hasn't got any minutes, so there is no there is no parameter for us to say okay maybe he'll he'll bounce back second season and play really well because we just don't we don't have, we haven't seen anything. So it's like do we risk going to another season where basically next season would be his first season, so he's not going to perform as well anyway. Um, so for me, I feel like they've got a tough decision to make, but I could see West Ham coming in for him after they lose Declan Rice. Um, and if they put after a, they lose know, Declan Rice to Bayern because Bayern sold Joshua Kimmich to City, is that what you're maybe, saying? Maybe, 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 maybe <laughs> <laughs> in, in my dreams, but yeah, uh, maybe. Um, but yeah, look, if, if that does happen, I, I'd rather sell him. I think I feel like I don't, I really do not want us to go into a season with if Rodri falls apart and it could happen because he has played so many mid seasons so he's going he could be burnt out to start the next season and injuries could come into play etc we don't know that right but i wouldn't want to go into the next season with that risk and basically if if Rodri goes down and we still have this type of Phillips playing as the backup then you're basically throwing the season that's how i look at it you, you basically will lose the season because of if Rodri doesn't perform the way he usually does yeah, I Yeah. I I don't know. It like part of me says that City's doing so much transfer business summer that they really don't want to be bothered with finding Phillips, a yeah. Phillips replacement. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's what part of me thinks is like they're just going to be so busy with everything else. They don't want to have to think about the guy they just bought last summer and selling him and buying somebody else. But, yeah, but at the, the same time, you, you got to be ruthless in these scenarios. And that's what that's what makes City one of the better, better teams in the league. We don't hold on to players that... Well, I think at the same time, I think if the opportunity presents itself for a good player... Good offer, yeah. Then... You, you do it. Well, you good offer it. and a good player. Then, yeah. yeah. And also, like, remember, here's another thing, is Kovacic can play the six. Gundogan can play the six. So, next year, like, even if Phillips is sold, 
if Kovacic comes in, like you have two guys who can play, who yeah, can play the six. Obviously, Rodriguez your starter, but both of them can play the six. Yeah, that's so true. that's that's potential. And also, I do think there's some truth to the Kimmich stuff personally because he can. He's like Bernardo, where he can play like 18 different positions, and he's world class at basically all of them. So if he does want to leave Bayern, maybe that's something where City's like, yeah. Phillips, you're out of here. Sorry. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. Trouble talk. <laughs> trouble. I, can, I will finally. I'll say the T <laughs> word because we are two games away. I'll say it. All I right, think City's winning the treble. Oh wow. Okay. You go. You're going that far. Look. Uh, <laughs> I'm. I'm confident. All right. Uh, this is. This is. This is my mentality to the treble. Right. I'm confident in the back of my mind, right? In my heart, I'm confident, but but something, there's something with the Champions League where I just feel like, what's going to go wrong? And I feel like maybe it's a PTSD thing from all the the failures against teams that we shouldn't have failed against. Like, So to me, the Tottenham game, the Lyon game, the Chelsea game are all games we should have won and something where we were heavy favorites, something went wrong and we lost the game, Right? Whether it was Pep's rotations, whether it was a handball goal, an offside goal, whether it was just a freaking crazy game against Leon where Sterling missed an open net, something goes wrong. And that's my mentality when it comes to Champions League. I've always had the mentality of, we'll win it when we win it. <laughs> right? That's how I've always felt when it comes to Champions League. Um, but And this is what I was saying last week. The way this team is and how good they are. And I feel like this is the best city team I have ever seen, right? So this is the best city team. This is the best version of Pep Guardiola's city team. It's it's his team. He's basically built it from the ground up, right? He's the only player left from pre-Pep is Kevin De Bruyne. So this is his team, right? Maybe he didn't envisage it being this way, but this is his team and he's built it and he's he's got the players in in the right spots this season. And I feel like this is probably the first season where I'm like, we've got a best starting 11 and there's no ifs or buts in terms of what's the best starting 11. The only argument for me in the Champions League final is whether Walker or Ake start if Ake's fit. That is the only argument left in terms of what we do against Inter Milan. Um, So it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm more nervous about Inter than I am Man United. Um, not because of like, and like obviously you can say, oh, it's because there's the Champions League means more to me. Yeah, because it's the Champions League final. Yeah, but Inter are the type of team that could give us a lot of trouble. That's that's how I've looked at it. They play a style I don't think we've played against much. So they're three five two. We, what we, they're they're freaking Brentford of Italy. Basically, right with maybe a little bit better players, but. You could see Brentford give us issues, right? So it's hard to know how how much Brentford give us issues when when the last game we played in was at the Etihad and our players were literally like, yeah, we don't want to get injured. We've got a World Cup to think about. So there's that to consider. But we don't come across teams like that much in the Premier League. And they're going to sit deep. They're going to sit deep. They're going to put five... They're going to literally play a 5-4-1 in defense. And they'll sit back. They'll soak pressure. Um, it's a one-off game. Anything can happen. So, like, if this game was at the Etihad, I'd be so confident. 
I'd be like, yeah, we're winning. We're fucking slapping them five nil. But this is not at the Etihad. It's at a, it's at a neutral venue, um, and madness can happen in the Champions League. So I'm confident, but at the same time, I'm like apprehensive about it. I'm just like, <laughs> it's like. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it type of thing. It's just because I'm so used to something going wrong in the Champions League. Maybe that's just me. That's my mentality about it. But I feel like we need to get the job done. I don't know about how you feel. So here's the question. Okay, obviously you assume, or it's easy to know that the betting favorites, like City, is massive. Oh, we're massive favorites. Betting, massive. we're massive favorites in both games. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, massive Which favorites against one? Chelsea. Well, massive favorites against Chelsea. So I'll, I'll well, give you. Yeah, I st- I still, but also we didn't know that. Like, also, we- <laughs> I, I still remember the odds against Chelsea, right? I think we were paying like a dollar fifty, and Chelsea was paying three dollars fifty. So that was that's the Australian betting odds. Um, against Inter, right now it's we're paying a dollar forty to four dollars. So okay, this is where this is where I'm going with it. So okay, so our betting odds, the way they do it is they do it by plus minus. So yeah, your, one, your one's so confusing. So basically, <laughs> all, it's, all it's, the people on this are gonna get confused because the UK guys use um, <laughs> the what do they call them. Yeah. So basically, I'll try. I'll explain. <laughs> Everyone's gonna it. get confused. Everyone's gonna get confused. So basically, <laughs> if you're say for example, if you're plus two hundred, that means you're two to one, or if you're plus three hundred, that means you're three to one. Yep. And so if you bet, basically the point of it is, if you bet a hundred, then you win two hundred. Or you win 300, right? Yep. And then if it's minus whatever, that means you're the favorite and it's the other way. So say it's minus 200, that means you have to bet 200 to win 100. Yep. So it's like yeah, yeah. one to two, right? Yep. So City against Inter is minus 460. So you would have to bet $460 to win $100, basically like one to 4.6, one yeah, to five. You- Right? Which is which and is basically the, what the odds are here as well. So it, yeah. the odds are very similar everywhere. Yeah. Um, so then Inter is plus three sixty, which means they're all three and a half to one. And then, do you know what do you think our odds are better in? Do you think our odds are better against Inter or United? I think they'd be better against Inter. So you think, like, you think City's tra- a heavier I- favorite against Inter than they are against United? I think so. I haven't checked it. It's it's incredibly close, which I yeah, was surprised it, it, at. It would be close. Would I be figured close. City would be like uh, still a pretty big favorite against United, but it wouldn't be this close. So City's minus four thirty instead of minus four sixty, and United is plus three forty instead of plus three sixty. So it's, they're still incredibly close. Like they're almost the same. But I was actually kind of surprised by that, just because it's a derby game. It's the FA Cup final. And United is probably a better team than Inter. So something something that betting companies don't do, right, is they don't actually care about... Um, well, yeah, that too. What, they just what, want the what, money to be even. Yeah, they don't really care. Not only that, but they don't really care about how the feeling is or that it's a derby or that... They didn't give a shit about that. They just look at how strong is this... Team? What are the What is the line? Where can we make money? Let's do it that way. So it's not very, it's not as highly indicative. It, a good website for like knowing how strong the odds are is five three eight, right? So five three eight. I don't know if you've heard about it. Five three eight. They do like they do proper. Odds Come on, they're an odds. American company. I know. Yeah, I know five thirty eight. Yeah, you should know them, right? So what they do is they do a bunch of statistics and they they put it through an algorithm and it spits out 
probabilities, right? Um, and in terms of probability, so I, I actually was curious. I'm like, I want to see how strong the Chelsea team was that we faced in 2021 in the, in the algorithm in comparison to Inter. So Chelsea was a 10 points stronger. So on the SPI indicator, whatever it's called, they were 10 points stronger than this Inter team. So that gave me a little bit of confidence. I was like, okay. <laughs> so they they actually thought Chelsea were a lot closer in quality to City based on their um, all their XGs and all the all, all the all the all the statistics that go into football than into Milan. But again, it is a one-off final. But this is what I was saying to you on the last part. I was saying we've tied up the Premier League, and after the Real Madrid game, I was saying I think we've won the Premier League already. And I feel like we are the best team in Europe this season. There is no doubt about it. You know, in 2021, we felt like the best team in Europe, but we didn't take as many big scalps along the way to the final. We, we beat PSG, we beat Dortmund, but it wasn't, it wasn't the big scalps. For me, this season is we are definitely the best team in Europe. There is no doubt about it, right? So for me, it's all about finishing the job. And that's what it comes down to. That's why I'm so desperate for the treble. Because at the yeah, end of the we, day... We need to show we're the best team. Yeah, at the end of the day, you can be the best team in Europe and not win anything, right? And you can see that from Liverpool last year. Liverpool, to me, was either the best team in Europe or the second best team in Europe last season. I don't think Madrid was actually the best team in Europe last season. They they got so much fucking luck along yeah, the way no. to that final where it's they like... They escaped by the skin of their teeth in every they, they single sh- round. They should have got knocked out by Chelsea, right? That's how, like, that's where their level was, in, in my opinion. But they literally just had amazing moments. And that's what the madness about the Champions League, right? You can have amazing moments and something crazy happens and the better team actually loses. And even the Champions League final against Liverpool, Liverpool were the better team. It, it was Courtois madness. Yeah. That's, that's all, that's all Courtois, it was. Yeah, Courtois was, was a man possessed. Literally a man possessed, right? And he won player of the match. Like, that tells you everything you need to know about that game. So, for me, for me, you have to get the job done now. We just have to. We have to prove that we are the best team in Europe. And you can see the vitriol and the bullshit coming out from rival fans at the moment. Um, from us just winning three in a row, right? We haven't even won a treble yet. Can you imagine the shitstorm once we win the treble? It's going to be nuts. So I want to. I, it, 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 we have to. And it's got to get the job done. It's. I want us to prove that we are the best team in Europe. Because right now, we are the best team in Europe. For City fans, we are the best team in Europe. Everyone knows we are the best team in Europe. You talk to any serious person that knows football, they'll tell you Manchester City is the best team in Europe right now. Yeah. But, but if you don't finish the job, if we finish the season with a Premier League trophy only, it is a disappointment in a way. It's it's harsh to say. It's harsh. It's very very harsh to say. To say that winning the Premier League is a disappointment, which you, you can't really say because, like, okay, we won the Premier League. It's still a good season. It's a good season. But no, that's like but, I agree. It is a it massive is a disappointment. disappointment in the context of where we are right now. Correct. It's like it's like Arsenal fans saying, "Oh, but you know, at the beginning of the season, it doesn't matter where you were at the beginning of the season. It matters where you are three weeks before the end of the season." The context was they bottled it because where they were eight points clear with nine games to go. The same thing for for City. We are in a prime position to win a treble. Right? So in the context of the season, it would be a massive disappointment if we don't finish the job. Yeah, and I think that I, I 100% agree. And I think not only do we need to finish the job, we need to kick the shit out of both of them because like, we are far superior to both of them 
And we've played like when was the last time City lost? Like four months ago or whenever? It was it was like Tottenham, Fe- February February fifth, Tottenham. Exactly. 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 <laughs> so thanks, wonderful. thanks City. Um so that's like so essentially now like we we should and we I think we need to just go kick the shit out of both of them. Like go kick love, the shit I, out of United I, I and go love. kick the shit out of Inter. And I think it's very possible. Like we just kicked the shit out of Madrid. Why couldn't we and like these are finals. Like the players are gonna be up for it. And I think they're gonna like they are going to have that mentality instilled in them too, like the arrogance of no, this is our like you're meeting us in a final. Do you know who you are? Like they're they're going to have that arrogance. So I think I I personally think that it's very possible that we just go kick the shit out of them both. And like it is possible, I know Inter is is a good team, but I, I feel I, like I don't sh- think they're yeah. even near our level. Uh, look, to me, to me, we are so much better than Inter. And this is what I was saying, right? We're so much better than Inter. But because it's a one-off final, we know anything can happen. And that's the problem, right? When it comes to one-off finals, even one-off games, you could be 10 times better than a team on paper, but you could lose the game. And it happens in any game. That's the problem with one-off games. With two-leg ties, you kind of get a chance. So what people forget about the Lyon game a few years ago was that was a one-off game. It was a one-off game. Because of COVID and whatnot, right? And, And shit hit the fan in that game. It went completely wrong. They got an early goal... Uh, on a counter attack, and it fell apart. But we we were pretty shit that season, right? Like we had a lot of problems that season um, in terms of the way we perform. But we beat Madrid before that game. <laughs> like we beat Madrid yeah. over two legs in, in, before that game. So, and is it all all comes into the mentality of the players, how they go into these teams, into these games, and not getting frustrated if they don't get the early goal. That's going to be so key for us, I think, because. You, you're gonna have to suffer in these games, and even if you go up one nil or two nil or three nil, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna suffer in these games. Teams are gonna keep coming at you. We're in I think I think that's where they have the mentality that they didn't in the last Champions League final. I agree. Like, I agree. And, and the last and so, one, they yeah. looked like happy to be there. Did not play their best game. Like we were okay. We were like didn't play we defensive midfield. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I don't <laughs> think that's the reason City lost, anyways. But. It was just, it wasn't a good game. It was very disjointed. I don't think Chelsea particularly played great either, but like that happens, right? This season, every time we have been in a big game, we have kicked the shit out of the team we played. Like, I agree. Arsenal kicked the living hell out of them. It wasn't even a game. Bayern beat them 3 0. That was a fairly close game. Still beat them 3 0, right? Leipzig 1 1 coming home. I know it was like, I know it's Leipzig, but it's still 1-1 in the Champions League. You come home, 7-0. It's it's over by halftime, right? And I don't think, like, Inter and United are really special in that. Like, And then Real Madrid, obviously. Like, I don't think these guys are any more special where they're going to, like, you know that when City wants to show up to play, they show up to play. I agree. And but th- this is what it comes down to, right? And this is what it comes down to getting the job done. This is exactly what I mean. And Marcus Rashford's out for the season, isn't he? He's like the only player that's been playing well for United. So No, I think he's back. I think he's back this week. I think he really he, he yeah, he was he was in training uh in the week and then he missed the game on the weekend because he was sick. So no, he was sick. I, yeah. Yes. I was he, gonna he, say he, I haven't seen him play for a while. 
Yeah, he got injured and then he got he got um, a, a slight knock, but then he was in training and then he got sick, so he missed the game on the weekend. He he was meant to play on the weekend, um, but the only reason why he did it is because of that. Mm. So I, I think he'll play midweek. If they get the win, then he'll rest the last game as well. He won't play. They'll, they'll rotate completely because they don't they've got nothing to play for. Um, yeah, so they'll have so, they'll have a week and a half off, or two weeks off. Actually, and yeah. Game. Anyways, I I think if City like the one thing I'm more confident in is because. I know City's the best team. The The question is, is City going to play their best football in the game? Because if City does that, nobody's beating them. And right now, from what I've seen this season, is in the biggest moments, City plays their best football. And like, how many times this year have we looked at a City game and said, that might be the best City performance of the Pep era? It's happened like three, four times. And so... Yeah, and so that's I think, why I, I think there's a there's a good chance that we just kick the shit out of both of them because yeah, and we're going to be up for those games, and that's why I that's said, what we I do think, in the big games. That's why I said I think we are the best team in Europe. I just it's just about actually proving it with the two trophies that come with it. That's yeah, the, that's, and that's, that's, that's the, the thing, thing is you got to go out and prove it now. Like yeah, if if you don't win these two, nobody's going to put you in the history books as one of the best teams of all time. No one nobody. Sec- but no, nobody nobody cares about second place teams. That's a no Exactly. They, like they'll say, "Oh, that's another city title winning team and that's it." But if you do win these two games, I think they're up there with one of the best teams of all time with the 99 United or the 2011 Barcelona if, if the, like they're up this, in that tier if yeah, they if, win both of these. If the team wins a treble, they are the best team in the Premier League era. It's simple as that. It is not even close. The treble for, team for an English team, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the United treble team, if you actually break down that season, um, they were incredibly lucky. They weren't actually a like they were a good team. Like, don't get me wrong, they were a great, great, great team. But they are not the best team. Like, you don't this city team. The way they're playing now, every game, like you said, every game you go, every big game they go into, they slap the opponent. That United team would not do that. Right, they got a last-minute winner against Bayern Munich in the final. Right, it, we we've slapped, absolutely slapped big teams along this on the along this um the last you know twenty-five games or wherever it's been. So for me, it's going to come down to just basically, like you said, if you don't win the trophies, then no one's going to put you up there. But if you do, then you've got the trophies with it, and you've got the performance with it. You are the best team in the Premier League. Yeah, and I, I think honestly. I think honestly, like if City do pull off the treble, which they should, I think the only conversation would be them or 2011 Barcelona. Honestly, Ooh, because I, that is a big shout. <laughs> I think that because well, I I don't know of any other team that that would be up there because 2011 Barcelona, like it's kind of a cheat code because you have Messi in his prime and like. People could I be remember, talking about Holland like, like that in five years. <laughs> I've seen that because I've seen that Champions League final against um, against United. Like United, legitimately looked like a relegation team compared, and like United was good that year. They won the title, so like, and it's Fergie's United. Like you know that they're consistently going to be good under Fergie. You always knew that, and it so it was the same thing in two thousand and nine. Yeah, it's the same thing. In 2009, like, the lineup was even worse that year. Like, you had Yaya Toure playing center back in a Champions League final. 
and he was and, fucking fantastic at it as well. <laughs> yeah, and like it literally looked like like United was chasing shadows, and you talk about like the quote unquote like great United players like Ryan Giggs and and Michael Carrick and those guys like Xavi and Iniesta and Busquets were r- literally made them look like five year olds. So yeah. honestly, like I think that's the only other team that. If City can win this treble and do it in the the way they should, I think that's the only other team that touches them because I've never seen a team against the best teams that year be so dominant. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, we have to finish the job. I I will be if we don't win the treble this season. So for me, even if we lose the FA Cup, for me, it's about the Champions League. If we don't win the Champions League this season. I will always look back at this season as as what did we miss out on? You never it's gonna be so hard to get a chance of this again. Look, look how yeah, many times we need, we need been, to do it. It's times, so hard. Yeah, look how many times we've been arguably the best team in Europe, right? So like you could argue almost every year since Pep has been here, basically. Basically since like, 2019, I'd say we've been we've been one of the best teams in Europe every year in and out, right? Besides maybe 2020. 2020 was probably the only season where I'd say we were okay, but we were not the best team, right? But outside of that season, from 2019 to 2021 to last year to this year, we've always been the best team in Europe, right? But we never we never finished the job. So and it we always we always see it. Some madness happens, some bullshit happens, something happens. And we don't finish the job, and you look back and you go, "That's a disappointment." But we're this close, you know. You can't see what I'm doing right now with my fingers, but we're this close. You know what I mean? So, time to finish the job. Time, time to, to finish, finish the job. That's and I think I think that's the mentality of these players and the mentality of Pep is they know it's time to finish the job. Like I don't care what you've done so far. You have two games. Finish the job. And so. <sighs> Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, so just, just before we wrap up, by the way, the last two games of the Premier League, do you want to win these games or do you don't care? I don't care, quite honestly. I just, uh, what I want and I what I trust in Pep and the coaching staff and the training staff to do is to get the guys ready for the final two games. Like, that's, I think, all that matters right now is what... Whatever that means, whether it means you rest everybody the last two games, I don't think they'll do that because you don't want to just bring in guys cold after yeah, three no, weeks yeah. and throw them in the FA Cup. So I don't think that, but whatever they do, I think that is, that's what needs to be done. And like, I'm kind of whether, glad we have the United game before the Champions League final, to be honest. Well, yeah, that's the other thing is it would have given us like two or three weeks off. So it, it, it basically gives you a meaningful game a week before the final. The Champions League. Yeah, and Inter has that too. I believe they're in like the Italian Cup final or something like that. So they're, they're, they I have think they it as the, well. They, they play the Cup final in a couple of days, but they play a Serie A game a week before the final. Um, and okay, they're a, so and they're, they're, they'll be in a top four race, but it might be locked up because Juventus just lost ten points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, I honestly, it's good. It's it's a great position to be in that the title was wrapped up one game earlier because that just gives City more flexibility in resting the players because they're they're fucking exhausted. Yeah. Like they're exhausted, yeah. so they deserve the rest. And I trust Pep and the coaching staff and the training staff to get them right so they are physically 
ready. But in terms of the results, maybe I would like a win at Brentford just because it would give some good momentum into the week after. But I don't really think uh, yeah. like it, I, no, no results really going to annoy me. Yeah, that, to be honest, I just want us to not lose. I feel like we're on this unbeaten streak and I want us to continue. It's, it's like a momentum thing, right? You, just, you don't want any seeds of doubt going into the players, whether they lose or win or whatever. I just don't want us to lose or drop the level of play, right? And what was very good to see against Chelsea was the levels were still very high, even though we rotated nine players. Um you know, they still there were still players out there that wanted it. Foden and Mares, Alvarez, they were all trying to prove themselves, um, and they want to they want to be able to, they, you know, they want to be able to have that opportunity to not just start the games against Man United and Inter. They want the opportunity to come off the bench as well. So then they, you've only got five subs, and you've only got eleven players that you can pick. But if you perform over the next these next few games, then you have a chance of coming on at any time in those games. Um, and that's really, really important. You know, Pep, you can say against Madrid, Pep didn't change anyone um, for the entire game um, in the first leg. So you don't want him doing that. You want him to, you want to be in the frame of mind. So I feel like that's that's what these last two games come down to. But in terms of results, I do want to see us stay unbeaten until the end of the season. I literally want us to go to the end of the season. Well, that night, that night, I want us to play well. Like, I think that's honestly yeah. even more important than the results is like, don't drop the levels. Because exactly, exactly, that's going to be tough against Brighton. Like Brighton's fighting for. I know they're not going to make top four, but they're fighting for Europa League versus Europa Conference League. I know they're, they've secured Europe. Point. I th- I'm, I'm they've secured sure Europe, I think, but they haven't yeah. secured the fifth or sixth place. So Brighton's going to be fighting, and Brighton is a. Everybody no, that's listening no, to this have, podcast they, knows I'm a have, Brighton stan. So they have, sec- they have secured Europa League. Deserbi did that that little speech where like, oh, we need one more point to secure Europa League and that's what we want. But if you actually look at the league table, you'll see them at six with the last 20 goal difference. They're sitting on 61 points with two games in hand while Aston Villa only have one game left and they're on 58 points. So, But I think if you get- But but the goal difference is so far, like they're plus 16 on on Aston Villa. So unless unless City literally slapped them (laughs) 10-0, they're not in risk. Well, they the, can the other they can thing too is both games. they can literally lose both games and still make Europa League. So they're, they're making Europa League. Yeah, and the other thing too is they might want to play for it just because I know Liverpool only has one game left, but they could pass Liverpool if Liverpool yeah. draws or loses. And you, I think you have to play like one less round if you're in the fifth place versus sixth. So it could happen. Yeah. Like I don't know, but it could. Yeah, they have to beat us. I would expect Brighton to show up regardless. Like, it's Brighton. They're a very good team. So, City need to play well. This is the first yeah. time we've it's, played against Deserby's Brighton, isn't it? Didn't we play against Potter's Brighton before? Because uh, it was super yeah. early in the season. Uh, I think it, no, I think it was. It was close. very close. Or it was, but like, we haven't, Brighton, the second half of the season, have been probably the second best team in the league. So, like this is a big like. No, nah, it was. It's Zerbe. a big test. Like we, we, I want to see we, City. 
We did play okay, Deserbis so, Bryden, yeah, it was Deserbis Bryden. But it was in the very beginning, like, it wasn't... It was he, October. He hadn't, it was October. He hadn't he sunk had, he hadn't his teeth into it yet. Yeah. yeah, he hadn't been there long. This is going to be a different test, and City should... And I think it's good for City, and I think it's good for them to play well. And same with Brentford. Like, Brentford away, that's a test. And Pep's going to get like, them ready. I feel like he's going to go really, really strong against Brighton and then rotate everyone back out for Brentford. Because because he, he rotated nine players out against um, against the against Chelsea, he'll bring everyone back for the Brighton game, but then he'll give everyone a week off, week and a half off before the FA Cup final. So that way they get or like the this. or the other way around. Maybe they're so tired the from Madrid. It, yeah, and, like and, they're and so the they might be so yeah. tired from yeah they might be just so tired from Madrid and the celebrations and all that that they give everyone a week and a half off. Then you have Brighton, and Brighton is like your tune-up game before yep. United. It's, it's, so it it's could one, be it's one of, yeah, it's one of the two games. Yeah, the Brentford, the Brentford or Brighton are going to be their tune-up games. So, or or it could be a mixture of both, where it's like semi-rotated. You don't just play oh, a <coughs> no, like I, both of them may be semi-rotated, yeah. or this one is semi-rotated, and then the next one is like the strong. You know what I mean? It yeah. could be something I, like that too. I I feel like he will. I can't. I, I I kind of want us to see us start the best eleven one more time before we go into those last two games, where we know give them a tune up game, just one more game, just before they go in. But who knows? Pep 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 does things. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe Rodri just needs two weeks off before the games just to give him like give him his legs back. Um, so we'll see. It's 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 crazy, man. We're crazy times. I'm I am. Nervous but loving it at the same time. I, 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 can start, I can feel the Champions League final nerves starting to kick in already, like even though it's like three weeks ago. Squeaky bum time, baby. <laughs> yeah, squeaky bum time, exactly. And look, it's going to be, we've got a Newcastle made top four, guaranteed now. Um, so they're in the Champions League. So that's that's Liverpool basically knocked out of the of the top four. Um, and yeah, man, it's crazy. It's crazy that Liverpool, Tottenham and Chelsea didn't make top four. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. But what are you gonna do? I love it. I love it. <laughs> this season, oh, this season's been some, This season's been something else, man. It's been something else. It's been a journey, that's for sure. It has been. Yes. Journey. We're almost at the finish line. Let's get the job done. Let's do it. All right. Do you want to? You want to talk yeah. about the elephant in the room? Which elephant? We're we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do. We're not gonna do much time on this, honestly. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe five as minutes. I'm running out of time. As, <laughs> have you seen? Uh, there's a lot of idiots in the media, and there's there's been some like I will say there's been some like good reporters as well. So it's not everyone, um, but basically it seems like there's a good portion of reporters who are just kind of spewing the same stuff and rather than celebrate a really great team winning titles or, or kind of telling stories about how like city's dominance has been this year, anything like that. um, The shift has been to one of two things. It's been to, well, let's put an asterisk on the city team already because of the 115 Premier league charges, or it is, Something like the league is ruined now because City's too good. And 
Usually yeah. they intertwine those two, right? They'll say like so city's too good because they have a lot of money or anything like that. Personally, I think most of those reporters are just incredibly disingenuous. Like I I I think that they're 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 just kind of full of shit. And honestly, crazy enough, the leader of the pack, Miguel Delaney, I think he's the most honest, at least with himself. I think what he says is bullshit, <laughs> he's but he's consistent. I, I think he believes his bullshit. You know what I mean? I think he a hundred percent believes what he writes, but I just think what he writes is wrong. So that's the difference. Whereas I think a lot of these reporters rather than like the, what they should know and what a reporter should know is why would you be asking questions of like, should we put an asterisk on the city title because of these Premier League charges. Well, nothing's happened yet. Like nothing's going to happen for years. So you can't attach anything to them yet because we have no idea. All we know is what we've seen on the pitch and what we have seen on the pitch, regardless of any money or any Premier League violations is fucking remarkable. And like, I haven't seen one article from anyone who's not close with Manchester city about how, great Pep Guardiola has been, which should be the number one topic. Like all of this has come from Pep. It doesn't come from money. It hasn't come from like, we do have a lot of money. We have great recruitment. We have all of that stuff. We have great players, but guess what? None of this happens without Pep Guardiola. None of it. A fraction of this success would have happened without Pep Guardiola. So that's like, that's where the story is. And for like people just sit there and say, well, this, this title is tarnished. It's not tarnished by anything by Premier league charges. Like city were accused. We'll see when the time comes and it could be like, if it comes out that city was, you know, smuggling 50 million pounds a year in, well, that's different. Like, but we'll get to when we get there. The problem is it's, it's when you write articles like this, you do it on purpose to where you are inferring that the that city cheated monetarily and that their success is due to them cheating monetarily. Like that is the inference you were trying to make the reader draw by saying, hey, look, city won the title, but they have these Premier League charges of financial impropriety. So so the natural inference is, oh, City is a bunch of dirty cheating bastards, and that's why they won the title. And that's not why they won the title. They won the title because of Pep Guardiola and because of these players and because of their recruitment. They don't have, they're not PSG with Kylian Mbappe and Neymar and Messi on the same team. They have great players, obviously, but a lot more has come into it. And frankly, nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody really knows anything about these Premier League charges. So I just think it's disingenuous of many reporters to even be making that inference. Look, I'm, I'm not going to say too much about it because we are running out of time. But my the, the big thing to remember is is no one's going to be happy for City to win anything, right? That is the main thing. If Man United were winning the treble right now, I would not give a flying fuck. I will turn off the TV. I will ignore it. I'm not going to read any articles. I'm not going to read anything, right? With the media, it's a, to me, it's with these asterisks about Premier League charges, etc. 
what people what and a lot of people come in and this was the thing it's just giving ammunition to rivals right so then the, the reason why rivals read this crap is it is ammunition to go back to city fans and say well you cheated that's why we we don't think you are the best team or that's why you are that's why you are the best team that's all it is right so ammunition for the rivals the, the articles are written for these rival fans to go back at city with something right but like you said at the end of the day, you don't win titles because of money. We're not paying referees off like Juventus in 2006. We are go, not- go ask Chelsea if you win titles because of money. Exactly, right? So at the end of the day, it's just a way of them, and this is what I, to be honest, believe. It's a way of coping with how successful this team is. Because the at the end of the day, if you're writing something for rivals, the last thing you want to read as a rival is, this is the best team of all time. And that's the honest truth. Like I said, if we do the treble, this will probably be one of the best teams of all time in the Premier League and English football history. So if a journalist is writing that in an article, right, a rival's not going to read that. But you add some caveats of, oh, but they cheated or they have allegations that need to be answered, which are not going to be answered for another four years by the looks of it, right? So we're always going to have this hanging over our heads. But until then, they can use this as ammunition to say, oh, but you cheated. But then they, a bag of money does not score goals. A bag of money does not defend your goal. A bag of money does not know how to pass that from the back. You've seen that bag of money in Fafana, 80 million, who couldn't string a pass together against us, <laughs> against our second team, right? Who cost a lot less than that team. So, and then it's just an ammunition for rivals. But for rivals, at the end of the day, it's just a coping mechanism. It's a coping. It's a way of coping for how good this city team. Because admitting that this city team is this good hurts. And if I was a rival fan, of course I, I don't want to. I don't want to read. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to listen to anything about city. I'd be pissed too. I'd be pissed too. Yeah, I'd. I'd, I'd want to find a way to cope with it all. Right, and that's the, that's the honest truth. It. And it's like the same thing with oh, we don't care about city. I wouldn't care about city either. I don't give a fuck about city. If I, was I mean, a they do, fan. but but they they the, do, but but they're using it. So the only way they can stay intertwined with all of it is by coping with with. Yeah, it's a coping mechanism around. for them to tell themselves, "Oh, well, it's okay. We didn't actually get dominated. They just cheated." Yeah, yeah, it's that's just the way. Like, that's really it. Yeah, and and if you look at it, and if you if you take a step back and go, "Okay, what is what does cheating mean?" Does, and, and this is something people don't actually know about the charges, right? Like people. Don't actually read the charges. They don't. Know. They just spout. Oh, 115 charges. But if they well, actually then nobody read- knows this. This isn't public information. No, the, the, the that's the other part. Yeah, no, the 115 charges are public information, right? So yeah, but you don't know the facts behind it. All you know correct, is correct. what they're accusing you of. Yeah, but 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 there are the facts are there are 115 charges, and and people like um Presswich Blue and Stefan have done really really good breakdowns. If if anyone is interested in in that information, but rival fans are not interested in that information. Then they. They're just going to say, oh, 115 alleged charges. Cool, you're cheats. That's all they're going to go. They're not going to go deep. And it's the same thing with the Cass case with all the bullshit that's happened in the past. They're not going to go deep in it. We as City fans go deep into it because we want to know what's happening to our club. We want to understand how serious are these allegations, right? But the 115 charges are actually from 2009 to 2018. It doesn't have anything to do with this current City team. So even if we are guilty of anything, right, these charges do not relate to this current City team, right? The char- let's say let's say we're, we're guilty of overpaying a, a, a player in 2015. 
Yes, it helped the foundation of the team get to where we are now, but in the grand scheme of things, we are not taking performance-enhancing drugs. We are not taking... Um, we're, we're not paying or bribing referees, right? We're not cheating in that sense on the field. All they are complaining about is that what we did off the field. And then if you go into the off-field scenario, then there's a whole bag of worms there in, in football, right? In football, FFP to me is completely rubbish, right? It's a completely, if you actually dive into it, it's there to protect the big clubs at the top. It was never about protecting the little guys. It's always been about how do we put a glass ceiling over it all, right? So no one can compete. City was one of the last teams to get into this echelon, into, into this top tier of football, and then the barrier closed off in FFP, right? So now the lower teams have a very hard time getting back up or even breaking that barrier. An owner should not be... You know, you're basically saying it's anti-capitalism in a way, right? You're saying to an owner, you can go buy a team, but you're not allowed to invest in your team. All you're allowed to do is hopefully get more revenue by making Champions League, right? And look, you look at Newcastle. Newcastle is a great example. They haven't spent a lot, but they've got into they're, the Champions They're ahead League. of schedule, though. They are like, way ahead even, of schedule. Even, and now even Newcastle fans League. did not believe they were going to make Champions League this I, year. I, I've, I've, been saying, I've been saying that Newcastle are a good five years away or maybe 10 years away because of the barriers put in front of them. The fact that they're, made they're a couple League, years away. The fact that made Champions League now gives them an extra $100 million in revenue, gives them opportunities to get more sponsorship money, gives them better ways of attracting players to build on what they've got this season. So they're going to have a very interesting summer window coming up because of where they are right now. So to me, the whole thing, everything that's going on, and then they, when someone says City are cheating or you know Newcastle are cheating, they're not cheating. They're just investing into their club, right? At the end of the day, the American owners are very different to Arab owners, right? They have different mentalities. They're more about making profit, making capital gains, etc. For owners like City... Maybe there is a bit of a sports washing side to it, but I don't know how true that is. And you know, if anything, I think like it's putting a bigger spotlight on these on these type of people than it, than it, if they didn't invest. But you could argue there's soft power involved, etc. But that's a whole different argument. It's a whole political argument, etc. But in terms of sporting merit, which I want to come back to and try and get back to the point, in terms of sporting merit, no matter how much you fucking spend. You can look at Chelsea, you can look at United, you can look at PSG. No matter how much money you spend, you still need to perform on the fucking pitch. And that's all that fucking matters. And that's why I get annoyed about this cheating allegations and these and this FFP crap. Oh, it's not a level playing field. No, it is a level playing field. We're just doing it a lot better than you. Maybe sometimes we could spend a bit more money than you. But this whole disingenuous argument where it's like, oh, City can replace any player they want. That's some of the arguments that they like the likes of Miguel Delaney make. We don't have risk when we when we buy a player. But if you look at the last seven years or eight years of transfers that we've done, how many players can you argue where it didn't work out and we went and bought a replacement the next year? The only two arguments I can think about are Benjamin Benjamin not Benjamin, sorry, Bravo, Claudio Bravo, right? Who didn't work out in his first year. But he was temporary anyways, though. Exactly. He was always a temporary fix because it was a 34-year-old. Because he was like 34-year-old. Yeah. He was 34 years old. He was always old, temporary. And, and we brought him in on literally the last three days of the transfer window to replace Joe Hart because we knew Joe Hart wasn't going to work. And then we said, okay, we still need to get another keeper, right? So we did that, right? That's the only example in the pepper where I can think of where I said, we went and bought a player. It didn't work out. And we said, okay, we need, we go, we go, we need to go buy another player. 
But otherwise, any other play that we've brought in, we've stuck with them or we've sold them for for the same amount we got them for and then went and bought another player. We haven't actually gone and said, nah, this play didn't work. We need to go spend another 100 million and buy another player. It's, it's so disingenuous. It's so wrong to look at a team like that. And that's where I get annoyed, where I was like, that's where the media narrative and the rival narrative of, and that's what I, and that's, you see what I do on Twitter. I always try to combat these things with factual um, statistics of, of financial data, whether it be from the accounts or from your actual net spends or all those things that I try to put out there. It's more about trying to show that, yes, we spend a lot of money, 100%, and we, we spent a lot of money to build the club to where it is today. But in the meantime, this club is not. We're not, we're not spending $500 million more than our competitors. We're spending very, very similar amounts. Some teams we spend more. Do we spend more than Inter Milan? Yes, but that's because we're an English club. Do we spend more than United? No, we don't. Do we spend more than Liverpool? Slightly, right? So there's always these little things that you have to look at. Um, but that's where I'm at with, with these things. And the allegations, whether they're true or not, whether we're going to be charged or not, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. For me... Whether we're guilty or not, this is the, the, the funny thing, Israel. Whether we're guilty or not, there is always going to be that doubt that's been planted in these rival fans, and it's not going to matter anymore. It's already, the, the seed of doubt is there. It's been there since the cast trial. You can see from the cast trial, <clears throat> even after the result, you still have people arguing the same bullshit from that cast trial. Even when you present them with facts from the bloody cast document that's 100 pages, they will still argue, oh, you got off on a technicality. Oh, you got off. You still cheat. You still, you still, you still mess the system. But yeah. No, no one, no one dives into the detail and and actually understands the financial impact or the the impact. So, so what is the impact of us spending a couple million more to a player? What is the actual sporting merit impact? Well, that's the thing is you don't actually know how much they're even alleged to have. You know, you know, like, is it a million pounds? Because a million pounds doesn't really make a difference. Or is it 50 million pounds, which would make a huge difference? Like, correct. That's so you don't know. Thing, like, yeah. They could be found, quote unquote, guilty. And they could say, well, it's a 300,000 pound difference in your. So, like, your, your financial statements aren't matching up to the tune of 300,000 pounds. Does that make a fucking difference when you bring in 800 million a year? No. So there's always context to these things and you know people aren't interested in the truth like you said because the city fans to- are interested the city fans are interested the rest are not it's simple as that yeah the, the yeah. rival fans will see the title 115 breaches and they'll run with it you, you'll see it always oh what about those 115 charges do you know what the 115 charges are no end of discussion move on yeah <laughs> sorry I, I, I go but this was a long fantastic pod there's, we're going to do another exciting pod probably in a week's time, um, probably yep. at the end of this weekend, maybe after the game um, against Brighton, if there's something interesting to talk about. But yeah, it's been, look, two more weeks, man. Two to three more weeks let's of the season. Two more weeks. Yeah. Let's get the treble. Yeah, let's wrap it up. <laughs> All right. See y'all. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye.